G'day, it's Arjun here, the Head of Research at Investigate Buyers Agency, and we're in store for another episode of the Investigate podcast. And today's one is a very special one because this is going to massively help you if you've either recently purchased a property or you're about to actually switch over to find a new tenant. And this is very helpful for when it comes to advertising. Now, just to take a moment to review my own experience in the space, I've helped clients purchase over 500 properties, myself with 17 properties. And going through rental campaigns is like, you know, breathing. It's second nature for me. So I'm able to understand what works, what doesn't work. And I've also helped create a few different measures of success. So you're going to be able to use this podcast to understand what is a successful campaign look like? What are some quick mistakes and things to avoid and a few tips on your journey? So tune into this episode for another episode of Investigate Podcast. Renting out your property, there are a few key things to consider here. Firstly, when it comes to a successful campaign, I want to give you some time slots that you can use as a key takeaway tip to ensure you have a successful campaign. Zero to one weeks, in my opinion, is a phenomenal campaign. One to two weeks is great result, awesome outcome. Two to three weeks is an average campaign. Three to four weeks is below average. And four plus weeks is, hey, look, pretty poor campaign here. Now, if you're wondering when the start and end date is of these campaigns, the start is when you list it and the end date is when you have a tenant accepted. Don't consider the end date being when they move in because that can vary a lot depending on certain circumstances. Why is this timeline important to consider? It's so that you can have some peace of mind and understanding what a campaign should look like and where things can go to on a time frame perspective. Now, when it comes to a time frame, it's important to note that move-in dates are not counted, which I mentioned, but another point is that if you're trying above market range, do not start your timer. This is a really important one to mention because right now we're in a rental crisis and as a result, some landlords are getting pretty energized to try for more. And look, it's rough for some people. I know where you're coming from because interest rates are rising too, so you're trying to balance things. But I guess the point is that aside, if a range is 5 to 520 by a property manager or say by our team, you might be trying 550, 570, just because you feel really bullish about conditions in the market. Now, why is that important to note where if you do that, you should not start your timer because you're trying to start a timer based on a range that's not at the range assessed of fair value. And so, yes, go for the stab. But if you're going to do that, you need to understand that do not start the timer and measure that as part of your campaign success. Because price rules everything when it comes to rental markets and the actual property at, at play. And what you should consider is that maybe if I am going to give this a go, how long should I be there for? In my opinion, that one to two weeks max is a sweet spot to understand, hey, look, I've tried for higher, I should bring it back. And when you're at the midpoint of the range or below, in my opinion, is when the timer should start. And so at that aspect of reviewing a campaign, at least you know that if it goes to six weeks, but actually got rented out in the three weeks when you got it back to in range, then you can at least know that that wasn't a bad campaign. That was actually a very good one. It was just that you wanted to try for more or it was an average one and you wanted to try for more. Now, other things to consider is that price rules everything. And this is a key mistake I see many people make. Imagine you go for much more and you hear crickets. Things are not really coming through. And then you start to realize, well, I wonder what it is. I should get some feedback about what's happening. And then you hear things like maybe the house is a little small or this one doesn't have rooms. I mean, robes. Rooms would be funny. It doesn't also have a master bedroom aircon. Maybe the blinds are a bit tacky. There are two things that come to mind. 
Number one, price rules everything. And what does that mean? You may be stuck on these features, but the truth is you are just trying more than what that range assessed for the property with its assessed features. And so as a result, the truth is, is it's not those things that are missing and holding back your campaign. It's the price that's too high. And as soon as you make the changes, suddenly it's relevant now for what it offers. And this is a big mistake many people make. They suddenly think that, well, now I had this bad experience. Every property moving forward should have these things so then it rents better. Well, no, it could have rented better if you'd priced it according accordingly for what it does and does not have. And that's very important to consider. If you had this 500 to 520 range, properties with built-in robes are renting at 550, you want to really give 550 a go, you're not getting the bites, it's a bit quiet, you ask for feedback and then the property manager is naturally going to tell you that feedback. Now here's the next thing. When's the last time you hear people running left, right and center and saying, this is just too expensive, the price is too much for this. Human nature will make you actually not hear that much and not say that much because what does it do it makes us as humans look cheap instead we'll look for things to fault it with yeah rooms are a bit small here i'm not a fan of this place yards a bit small not a fan of the robes not being here and people move on now look there are some straight shooters out there that will just tell you you're an idiot the prices are way too high get stuffed and look that can happen but the truth is the majority of people out and about inspecting giving property managers feedback We'll just say, oh, we like something else. Maybe it wasn't our type. Yeah, we've secured something else and thank you for your time. Or not really a fan of this and a fan of that and a fan of this. And then all of a sudden, your head's going in spirals like, did I buy the right one? Did I not buy the right one? This is a big mistake many people make. I own a property in my portfolio where the toilet's part of the same bathroom. There's no built-in robes. There's no ducted aircon. There's no carport. There's no backyard. It's a side yard. There's no outdoor covered entertaining area. It's weatherboard. It's 1940s built. Yet rents are rising. Rental yield is phenomenal. Capital growth has been phenomenal because I just factor everything in for the price it should be. If you see an opportunity to cosmetically improve it, then you can look at it from a yield metric. What does that mean? Well, if the rent goes up $100 a week as a result of your direct improvements and you only spent, say, $10,000, then, you know, $10,000, what is that as a yield to that 5200 improvement in rent, right? That might be a thing to look at. And then you can see, hey, this is a pretty good yielding investment because I've spent $10,000, i am getting 5200 for it, $100 a week, right? As a result, this could be a great output to make that improvement and have a decision around going through that renovation. But... If it doesn't have those things, you can just price it accordingly and ensure that you factored that in. But of course, you also factored those timings in for that campaign. Now, if you're thinking of rental comparable analysis and you're analyzing rental markets, the key thing outside of all those property-related features is firstly looking at comparable rents. Number one, that's one methodology to actually see what you should price it for. So, hey, my house is similar to maybe house B and house C, and therefore I should price it for that. That's one example. If you can't find similar, you can use the valuation methodology that many valuers do, and they create a bit of a sandwich, one superior, one inferior, and therefore your one should be in between. So, hey, I don't think my property could rent for 600 because these 600s ones are newer, maybe nicer, and I don't think it's going to be less than 550 because that one for 540 is definitely worse than ours. So if you can't find similar ones, that's one way to analyze your rents. The second one is data. So for example, you rented it for $500 a week, you've reviewed data, last 12 months the suburb's gone up 10%, that could be a data-driven way to analyze it. Not always the best because it depends on medians, prices, types of bedrooms, things like that, but 500, suburb's gone up 10%, you might price it at 550 just as an example. 
The third part is acknowledge when analyzing rental markets, where in the range were you previously? For example, you've got a 5 to 520 range. Imagine it's January of 2022. You tried 530, took a little longer, but you secured it. Now it's January 2023 and rents have gone up 5%. That 5 to 520 range is not in your mind anymore because you got 530. But that 5 to 520 range is what most comparables are at and adding on 5% takes it to 525 if you're taking that lower end obviously. At 525 it's $5 less than 530 and then your property manager goes hey I know interest rates have gone up and I know rental crisis is all over the news but you shouldn't increase it or max you should increase it $10. And then your coffee spills out of your mouth and you're like what interest rates are going up you expect me to do this this is so expensive. No, try more. And then you go into the spiral of having a longer campaign or you think your property is not performing. But the truth is you just haven't acknowledged that you were well above the range last time. You got that, which is great. But the truth is the rest of the market was at 5 to 5.20 at that time. They have caught up, but they just caught up to your range. So you can see comparable rents, data methodology, and be mindful of where in the range you were previously are great ways to think about how you can assess rents correctly. Now, when you are increasing rents in this current environment, I understand interest rates have gone up. Interest rates are a driver for human behavior to change rents on property, but they aren't a driver of actual property to rent price growth. Because the truth is the rent is driven more by rental supply. So don't think that just because interest rates went up, you should jack it up because it may come back to bite you if the rental supply isn't matching what your ambitions are. Be holistic, yes, in your environment of your personal cash flow review, your interest rates and where the market is. But we have to remember we're also with people. People mean tenants and owners of property. We're all humans. Be considerate of where things are at and where you want to take your property and weigh up all the aspects of a relationship. Now, speaking of weighing up things when it comes to rental increases, $40 per week. I want you to remember this number. It's a really important number. This is just an average number, but it'll help you in deciding whether you should increase the rents to market or not. Imagine your property is around $500 a week or $520 a week. We're using this 500s number. If it has two weeks of, say, vacancy, which is what we call a pretty good campaign, that equates to about $1,000 a year. Then let's just say there's a letting fee at 1.1 weeks or just a bit above that. That's another five, six hundred. And let's say a few hundred dollars for advertising. Together, you've got around 2K in costs, which equates to about $40 a week in one year, if you were to divide it by 52. So when you're around $40 a week, you should mentally be thinking, okay, if I'm at 500 a week and I really want to increase it to market, market's at, say, 530, but then your property manager's coming back to you and saying, no, keep it where it is or increase it by 10, there's a reason why. A, you can keep a great relationship with a good tenant who's really looking after the place, but B, you may think you got 530, 540 when you go online, but the truth is the net costs of a campaign take away $40 a week. You're back to 500. Life could have just been easier for all parties, including yourself financially as well, if you just said yes to the increase or kept them there. Now, obviously, as the rental market grows and then you start to see that number vary and now the market's at 560 to 580, but you're still here at 500. Now that $40 a week ratio does make you think, hey, maybe I should consider more increases as a result. So this is my next part in terms of rental increases. So just to recap what we've gone through so far, if you want to take a rewind, go for it as well. What's a successful campaign look like? Don't count move-in dates. If you're above the market, don't start that timer and don't be above the market for one to two weeks. Price rules everything, not features. Features can be used for cosmetic improvements, but 
yield review, cost-benefit analysis, and that when analyzing rental markets, think of comparables, data, where in the range you were previously, and lastly, when you're increasing rents, yes, interest rates, but be considerate, and of course, think of that $40 magic number. On that $40 point, this is a great thing to add in two bonuses for you. On the $40 point specifically, if you think of cities with higher bills and outgoings, think of far north Queensland, Townsville, Rockhampton, a few cities. Easy way to look at this is just remove $40. $40 represents the height of insurance, the height of property management, council rates, water bills, perhaps being a bit more. Maybe if you want to be conservative, round up to 50 So now when you do that, if you see a property sold for $450, you rented it for $500, easy math, you just now think of it as a $460, $450 rental equivalent in another city rather than stressing about outgoings. So this is how you can look at rent more holistically and outgoings more holistically when you're looking at your rental campaigns. Lastly, the final bonus for you here is a common mistake I see people make. There are some regions across Australia where pets represent up to 50 to 60% of applications. And many people have their feet hard into the ground going, I don't want pets as part of my property. Now, as a lover of two fur babies and I've got two little cavoodles at home, I'm a little biased here, but the data doesn't lie. And you can search this up where 24% is the smallest in some areas up to 60% in some areas for pet ownership. So when you start to think of that, you are letting go a lot of the rental market and you can expect a weaker result too and a lower performing result. Why is this important to consider is that when you do that, many people think of their rental campaign and what's a successful one and they just strip the success out of it by pulling filters like this. Now, from that perspective, if you do consider what pets can do, yes, there might be damages or things that are there, but Really, when you're working with your property manager, you know the condition on the way in, you know the condition on the way out. And if you can see some major differences, I'm sure that can be brought up for discussion. So that's it from my side in terms of when you're reviewing it. And I know I gave you a bonus there, but I might give you one more bonus just to finish things up on. I have a simple rule in life and in business. Trust first. Why is this important to note? Giving trust 100% upfront to someone is the most powerful thing you can do in business relationships. I do this with my property managers knowing that they're the experts of their local underground markets. They're the experts constantly renting properties far more than I do, even with my 500 plus property experiences of purchases and 17 in our portfolio for my wife and I, they are true experts in that space. So give them the trust first and just realize that when they recommend an application to you, in almost all cases, they would have gone through these metrics. Servicing, can the tenants afford the property? Number two is character. How do they present? And this is their own decision. Some are biased, some are not. That's not for you to make. You're likely not there at the property, at the open home, watching every tenant come in and out. And you shouldn't be judgmental. Let them be the judge of it. You support their decision as they're the expert. Third is references. They should usually pass check and force history. So the same way that I asked myself, what benefit would I get from flying over to a house myself and then when I bought it for myself, reviewing it, looking at it, when I had all these professionals go through it all, the key thing is I put my trust forward in the professional, servicing, character, references, history, what else would I be looking for? And so this is where you go through the flows of just saying, hey, I trust you. And when you sit back and live life in this way, you'd be surprised at how good it turns out. You'll learn as well when mistakes come up and likely it'll be one of these four boxes that won't tick or it'll be something that's not in your control. So from that perspective, 
appreciate your property managers, appreciate your tenants, and hope this helps you in understanding what a successful campaign is, some mistakes to avoid, a few key tips to ensure that you can really nail this when managing a property and have the right expectations for yourselves to ensure that you successfully scale the portfolio.